Hello, everyone. This is Jeremy, and this is a special edition because I've asked Sam to take the week off from uh, us trying to do satellite podcasts. So this is a fairly queer podcast, and this episode I am delighted to bring a wonderful, lovely, fairly queer friend of mine um, who is hosting me deep in the heartland of the United States. I am in Oklahoma with Mark Mason. Say hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. <laughs> you know, I used I to have that insurance whenever I lived in Pennsylvania, <laughs> but now I just have the insurance of the assurance, the assurance of uh, friendship, good times, and a fellow air sign. It's Libra season, mm -hmm. and Mark, it's a full-blown Libra. What do you say about Libra season, Mark, coming from a full-blown Libra? And by full-blown Libra, you mean Sun, Moon, Mercury, Venus, all in Libra. I am, is that your tea? Is yeah, that your astrological tea? That's my astrological tea. I'm that's not sure tea. I know anyone more Libra than sure. you, Mark. Tell, tell me your feels for Libra season as we open up this episode. Well, I'm definitely feeling my hair. <laughs> that's been something that's going well for me right now. <laughs> Um, I'm feeling very connected to myself in terms of mental and physical health. Yeah. Self-care. That's the name of the game right now. That's what's been going on in my life. Yes, Maria. Yeah. If we could get the financial stability to kind of uh, mesh in with all that, that'd be great. But we're happy with what we have. So what did I do for us before we put on the podcast, Mark? What is there giving us the light of uh, prosperity? Oh, your prosperity candle that we found at uh, our community gathering yesterday in Oklahoma City. Yes, so I wanted to put that on. We've been having a very uh, fairly queer weekend of lots of saging, lots of Palo Santo. Uh, uh, well, why don't you explain a little bit of why I came to visit you, Mark? Why don't you tell us the story of your current scenario and what you were doing uh uh, for your work and what you're interested in blossoming. Okay, so um, we are in Stillwater, Oklahoma. I don't know if we specified that. Okay. <laughs> so we are right in the middle of Oklahoma. Um, go Pokes or whatever they say. Oh my God. Um, I am working with Simply Green Pharmacy. They Boop are a dispensary do. in Stillwater. Um, we, uh, we conduct patient drives, uh, so I've just been in every small town in Oklahoma that you can think of, helping people get their medical marijuana cards. I am working with some really cool people, um, I just came back to Oklahoma a few years ago and, um, have been pretty impressed by the communities that are growing here, and, um... Uh, so through uh, this dispensary, we also have a space now available to us, and I can put my yoga teacher training to good use. Um, <laughs> thank you. I know. It's so exciting. And, and bringing yoga, bringing yoga and uh, medicated healing together. Yoga and cannabis. It's, I mean, it's, it seems to be a pretty natural marriage. So, you know, we have cannabis and yoga and... Um, so we just had our first night on Friday. Friday night was our great. first green yoga, and, and Jeremy uh, very kindly brought the crystal bowl and My the ukulele. It was beautiful. It really did, um, I feel like it elevated the whole thing. Because Elevation. it was, it was you know, it was we were just 
we were all on that that level with you vibrationally and yeah. it was it was it was really cool i i hope we can do it again i am happy to do it again and yes <laughs> it's sort of the the announcement that i um i wanted to elevate my journey into sound healing i've only mentioned it briefly but like my intention for calendar year 2020 is to build a healing business with sound healing, with collaborating with others, learning some healing modalities. So, like, I took the deep dive and invested in this um, not cheap, fully, fully downtown Julie Brown crystal ball. She is the real deal. If you want to go to crystaltones.com, it is the seven inch uh, platinum alchemy bowl. Is the heart chakra bowl. So this is just like the first iteration of what I'm hoping will be a combination of like visits slash collaborations slash mm-hmm. like I just want to explore something. And since I'm nomadic right now, I can spend the money that I would spend on rent and go to Kentucky to visit Sam. Love you, Sam. Love your brilliant editing that you're going to do on this episode this week. <laughs> Shout out to Sam. I know I didn't put him on. I didn't put him on. Um, hold i did it consensually because there's going to be a lot of traveling this month but i also think it's very refreshing and important to have perspectives from all around my travels who knows who i might interview in the uk for heels of hell but getting back to our local jam and local perspective here in uh oklahoma mark we were talking before the podcast about like having um having uh, grown up and gone uh, in and out of Oklahoma over the course of your young adulthood. So why don't you tell me more about what we were talking about before, about like growing up in the deep uh, Midwest. And um, we were already talking about things we love that we have in common because me being from Appalachia is not a whole lot different there's it's just not as cosmopolitan and that's okay so why don't you just go start from wherever you want and uh, help all of our listeners get to know the magical fairy known as mark mason (laughs) okay so picture it 1990 ringwood oklahoma um i was so i was born and raised in a very 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 small town in oklahoma in northwest oklahoma near enid uh, I went to high school in Ringwood, Oklahoma. Um, not shouting them out. Uh, <laughs> I, it, I'm pretty lucky. I never faced any, um, you know, there is a lot of privilege coming with being a white cisgender male um, growing up, even in a, in a small town where I was, I was kind of singled out and, and they, you know, they smelled the blood in the water. And, uh, so there was definitely a very early sort of isolation from the other boys. I mean, I, I graduated with a class of 25, 26 people. So it's pretty, it's pretty hard to blend in with the crowd when there's not a crowd. And, um, so I really didn't have a choice. I was, uh, I kind of turned all that in because obviously I wasn't playing football that ended very shortly after uh, a couple of weeks in fifth grade. And and in, in Ringwood, there really wasn't much else to do. If you weren't on one of the team sports, then you you ran track, or I ran cross country, so I did long distance running. And then I got into FFA, which is, if anybody knows anything about it, it was originally called the Future Farmers of America. 
Um, so it does have a basis in agriculture, but it, there were a lot of leadership elements to it that I think attracted me to that because it was something that I could focus on that wasn't, you know, in this very tiny microcosm of a high school, you know, with, with people that obviously I didn't feel very connected to. I didn't feel like I had anything in common with them. Um, and, and so I, I kind of channeled all that energy into perfecting everything I did. So prepared public speaking. Um, I was obsessive about how I practiced at that. And so it was just kind of a way for me to um, excel at something and it didn't have to be sports. So um, as, as much as I was still, you know, closeting myself and obviously playing it straight, it was at least, you know, at least I didn't have to try to butch it up to play football um, <laughs> because yeah. I, I don't think I would have successfully done that. And then um, when I graduated high school, I moved to uh, Stillwater and went to OSU for about two and a half years. Um, that was kind of the first time that I was able to uh, find a friend group that was diverse and came from different backgrounds and yeah. different immigration statuses and mm -hmm. different ethnic backgrounds and um, people who were openly uh, queer, bisexual, lesbian, uh, you know, trans friends. And uh, like I said, I, I grew up in a town that was not just predominantly white, but almost entirely white. And yeah. um, so I was finally able to meet people who came from, you know, just different cultural backgrounds than me. And it's kind of amazing how uh, eye-opening and... Um, like you could put your experiences into perspective kind of for the first time, right? That's what going to college in America is for so many of us. It's like, oh my gosh, this is exciting or this puts this puts yeah. my this puts my uh, my inner biographical storyline in perspective. It puts it on hold when you realize mm -hmm. that other people's you go through a comparison process that because that's what young adulthood is. Right, putting mm -hmm. our experiences and comparing them to others until when you reach full adulthood, we compare ourselves less and put only really think of ourselves and our own self standards. But it is, it's part of the American story that if we get to go to college, we are confronted mm -hmm. and also enriched by finding people whose perspectives are different or they mesh in the way we're like similar perspectives, but a totally different growing up background. Mm -hmm. So how, so how did your college experience lead you to um, the geographical movement or your interest um, with, say, what you thought you wanted to do when you grew up, right? Career-wise or just, like, the communities you wanted to be mm -hmm. in? How did that go? Because you, you said you only spent, like, two and a half years here. Yeah, well, it was, it was so eye-opening because, you know, like I was saying, it was the first time that I had met people who grew up differently than me. So that's obviously very enlightening in and of itself. Um, it's something that I have always been grateful for. Some of the best friends that I have in the world are people I met, you know, that first year of college. But coming into that situation, I was an 18-year-old coming from a small town. Um, I knew in the back of my mind that I was uh, that I was gay. I had I had a boyfriend in high school, very secretly. Or I thought I was being secret, secretive about it. I don't think oh. it was actually that successfully hidden. Um, but I had such tunnel vision because, you know, like I said, I had thrown myself headfirst into all these leadership activities. And I, you know, I ran for a state office that would have taken up my entire freshman year. 
I based my uh, my degree options off of that being part of my life my freshman year. So I was already planning on enrolling in the College of Agriculture here yeah. um, as an ag communications major, got into that. And, you know, obviously coming in at 18 years old and you think you've figured it all out because you made this plan based on one thing happening and then it yeah. didn't happen for me. Um, and I mean, thank God or whoever that, that that didn't happen. That's, yeah. you know, you sign your life away for your freshman year of college and you don't get to really experience anything other than what you were doing your last year of high school. Right. And, and so I am so, so lucky that that didn't happen for me because that's when I came to Stillwater and, you know, it was 2009. So we, you know, we were, there were groups on campus that were LGBTQ friendly. Yeah. And, um, I was, like I said, I started, there was such a diverse group of people that I was exposed to for the first time. And, and it was, it was I, I'd say it was very enlightening for me. And I realized that there was so much more to the world. And it, you know, I got into these ag college classes that were just very blatantly not what I wanted to be doing. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I kind of, I started changing my major around and, um, you know, I started partying and I came out and, you know, there were, there are great friendships that came out of that time. And yeah. so I'm always grateful for it, but I didn't know what I was doing. And I was kind of, uh, I was kind of, um, floundering a little bit and I, uh, I dropped out and took about a year and a half before my best friend, my roommate at the time graduated. And then we moved to LA. And yeah. that was, I thought well, I was gonna get out of this town and go live in the big city and really make it for myself. Right. And like the, the, like what's kind of amazing is that this is a variation on a really wide theme. And like, I'd love to, for people to find both of our Instagrams or whatever, and like, uh, comment on like, what things you have experienced that are on this trope of like, you're queer, you're queer adjacent, you come from a small town. Like how many movies are made of this? But this is not like devalidating and it's just showing mm -hmm. the the power of this journey that we just know that we're kind of seekers and then we're also we're also pretty oftentimes queer folks in their families have to be well behaved so as not to like have unnecessary dynamics. Growing up, politics. yeah. So we're often overachievers. We're either mm -hmm. rebels or overachievers, and then we get to school. We're like, oh, "What the fuck am I doing with, with this undergrad thing?" I'm. I remember like switching on and off between being a voice major, music ed major. Mm -hmm. Oh God, just a BA in music. Like, what? What am I gonna do? And then I only had three years at West Virginia University before I transferred. And I don't know, it's just like a freaking air sign thing where it's like, <laughs> we're just a lot more sensitive to like not sticking with a prescribed plan, especially mm -hmm. a prescribed plan that like our family, I had a lot of, I had a lot of, um, I had a lot of flexibility growing up because I grew up in a working class, like, of, you know, white family where as long as I was achieving or overachieving, they didn't bother me. I was also an overachiever in the way of not causing family strife, right? So these roles that we take and then we get to college and we get to find out for ourselves. Some people don't have the luxury of going to college. They just have mm -hmm. to get a, they just have to get out of their situations and get a job and just like, at least we've like, we had the opportunity to like 
go and explore and then often like shake off two or three semesters because like we feel overwhelmed and we're going through things. So partying is a rite of passage in university and collegiate life. But now we're at um, we're at L.A. What did you do in L.A. and how long were you there and what were the things you learned like from going away? And then, as you said, you would you would eventually come back. What was your L.A. period? So we I already had a friend that was living in L.A. and he had tried to convince. Like I said, I was living with uh, a very close friend, James. Um, shout out to James Anderson. I love you. Um, <laughs> still living in L.A., still uh, still living it up. I, I love him. Um, we really didn't have a plan going into it. We had just kind of succumbed to our friend talking us into it. And um, so we went to visit. And, of course, we went out in West Hollywood. And uh, we, we met famous... Famous drag queens for the first time. We oh, met, we met, next section. We met Shangela Laquifa Wadley. We, you know, it was it was exciting. You know, we were. I was in. That was the first time I was in a city larger than Oklahoma City or Tulsa. Yeah, and I just something about it. I you know I got caught up in that fantasy of. You know, I'm going to go to the big city life. and I got to get away from, you know, these small towns, small minded people. And, uh, you know, I still have days where I feel like that. But, um, you know, spoiler alert, moving to a larger city is not going to solve all your problems, Mary. We have our own soundboard, <laughs> ladies and otherwise. These are our voices. No, but that's so true. And we were talking, we were pre- kind of preparing our subjects before Mm -hmm. recording and like it's true i i just i know that at least i was joking with marcus like i have under ten thousand followers on instagram so i'm not that famous yet (laughs) i know but it also is like i know who i know who says hi i know who the people who tend to be who are uh, graciously and kindly and courteously and exuberantly care about what I would post or what I do. I'm familiar with my range of friends and and those people who love um, the whole hashtag Team Alaska. But but it's what I want in this podcast is just the darn truth. <laughs> Going to a cosmopolitan area is a great. Um, rite of passage and it's a learning experience but if you if we think we're gonna dodge our personal development and our personal growth if if we think we're gonna like delightfully drown in large-scale urban anonymity we got another thing coming so I'm, I'm really grateful for you saying that because like it's the thing for me it's like like my project right now it's like if I what the hell's the difference if I pay a thousand plus dollars to live, to have my own room, room in a California city? Like, that's the tea, folks. You want to live in the, on the West Coast right now? You're going to pay four ditches unless you've got an insider scoop. As in L.A., in San Diego, and especially in San Francisco. So, like, if you want to pull that patch, try it. If your dreams, if your work is there, like... My work very well may start there. So I got to buckle up Buttercup and just do it. But um, this, this is a truth. So like go where you're going to go where you're going to challenge yourself, but also don't go where you think you're going to escape in the in Hotel California. So what what was the scenario that brought you back here? And what were the 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 back and forths when you came back to the Midwest generally? 
Mm-hmm. So coming back from LA was actually not entirely planned. I was I was just home visiting, so I, I made it for about a year. Um, I was in a pretty pretty toxic relationship. It was for me. I um, that was when I you know obviously started going out in West Hollywood. I you know not that I'm like. Dogging West Hollywood, you know. Yeah, it was fun. But it's a a very bright and shining place for people who don't know Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah, and it's very overwhelming, and I'm susceptible to peer pressure. So, you know, the Coke was there, and I was going to take it. And, you know, and that's not good for me. I'm, you know, I'm a high-anxiety person, naturally. So, um that sort of stimulation is just too much. Air sign, and, nervous disposition, yeah. uh, and a propensity. Especially somebody looking to escape uh, some mental and emotional, uh, you know, some work. mental illness and things I needed to work on. And I had run away from it already. And then I was in LA running away from it by, you know, partying a lot and, yeah. you know, saying yes to whatever I was invited to in the Hollywood Hills and, you know, going to whatever random mansion where there were Coke and boys. And yeah, and it was in oh the, my at the gosh, time. You're not, ta- you're not talking about Coca-Cola, are you? No. I have... okay. <laughs> well, that's I, the tea. Well, and it's, you know, I, I have to admit to myself, I can get addicted to things very easily. I just naturally, I get, obs- I develop obsessions with things for, you know, short amounts of time, whether it's food or whatever, um, or television shows, anything. Yeah. And so I remember the first time I tried cocaine, I'm pretty sure it was at the Abbey. And uh, am I allowed to say that? Sure. I, say that? <laughs> I mean, it's the tea. Everybody's done. This is, this is the real true stories of 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 a young queer folks going going on the town in West Hollywood and many other urban queer uh, group uh, queer neighborhoods, the gayborhoods, the the lesbian town, and other quite mm-hmm. queer spots. So no, I think it totally. I appreciate your candor and your honesty, <laughs> Mark. So yes, yeah, so you were you you indulged and you avoided and you you say you um you use substance as a way of not directly dealing with your personal growth and your personal challenges at this point in your life. Right. So Which you so you came back. You came back to Oklahoma and then you decided that um you weren't even going to go back to California. Yeah, well, it was a uh, a phone call breakup that that kind of sent me over the edge. Um, long story short, ended up do, uh, you know kind of needing some time for some mental health and recovery, and uh, you know going to therapy and trying to at least start figuring my shit out and confronting it and not trying to mask it or hide it or run away from it or whatever. Not that I completely cleaned up my act after that you know obviously there have been some ups and downs since then i think now we're i'm kind of finding a good homeostasis uh finding but, some libra balance man. that libra balance oh is it's libra season and <laughs> and yeah it was it was just i because I, I remember the first time i ever did cocaine i i just i remember Stopping thinking, and thinking, I was like, this "Oh, this feels too good. This is going to be a problem for I, me." That is such a that yeah. is such a mantra. That is a sign, right? Like it's too fun. Oh, oh, this combination with me, this is going to be a problem. Dot dot dot. And then the <laughs> next chapter of the life goes in. Okay, 
So I already know that you bounced around then in the middle of the United States between Oklahoma, Kentucky, Oklahoma, which is Mm -hmm. kind of where you're presently at. So Mm -hmm. maybe you can talk a little bit about uh, uh, coming back to uh, a queer's life in the middle of the States. Mm -hmm. Well, so I came, once I came back from LA and I realized I was staying. Um, a lot of it was, like I said, there was a, a pretty good chunk of time where I was not really doing much productive other than just like going to therapy and trying to like come back down from a very, very volatile state of mind and emotional space. It was a pretty traumatic experience. That whole, you know, that whole coming back and, um, I was already very depressed in LA. I mean, I, I suffer from depression anyway. I had never been diagnosed. I'd never seen a therapist or anything like that. So, um, you know, there were a lot of, uh, a lot of things that triggered, uh, some, some pretty severe responses. And so I, I kind of had to stop and, and start looking at that and learning about what that meant and where it came from and how it manifests itself and how I can, you know, find those positive outlets and try to, you know, change, you know, change the direction a little bit. But, um, so I that I had been doing yoga since I initially lived here in Stillwater. So it's probably almost ten years now that I've been practicing yoga, and I had decided. See, so when I came back from LA, I was twenty three, I think, um, and and so I decided I wanted to become a yoga teacher, and that's when I started looking up uh, teacher training programs that were nearby, and I found one in Dallas. Um, I had a friend living in Dallas, so I, I knew I'd be able to stay. I was going to do a three-week intensive, so it wasn't going to be a long time. Um, I did that. One of the Still one of the most fun things I've ever done and one of the most physically challenging things I've ever done. Um, and I... Part of, part of going back to, like, even before, a part of all these, uh, these cycles had something to do with toxic relationships and my dependence on those. So uh-huh. that, that was also a... sounds like a weird archetypal Libra thing. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my mom. It was her birthday yesterday. So this oh, was happy my birthday. my full blown 15 degrees Libra mom. Like my uncle was born on the third and my brother was born on my mom's birthday. It was my mom and my brother's oh. birthday. So like the Libra things I see with like struggling for balance, a mm-hmm. deep, deep theme of relationships and either dependence, codependence on them. It's like, I don't really trust astrology until I find it like when I, everyone, my October family, which I have a lot of, there's a lot of Libras in my life. And I'm like, wow, like this is real. And it's very instructive and it's very helpful to like hear that, like listen to the people around you, learn from the people around you. We are not alone in these struggles and challenges. Life is meant for us to grow. So, like, you you were really having to deal with um, the relationship issues in your life. And that is such such a big theme. Like, so much of the work we do. Okay, so I'm going to let you keep on going. You found <laughs> that. I'm going to see. I'm going to be a good podcasting buddy. And so you found that through yoga, you were, get, you were, you were working through these things in a positive, mm-hmm. healthy manner. Yeah. I I think 
that's the way I use yoga now. I don't think I was quite there yet. Um, I that was I was kind of going through a phase where I think I had maybe convinced myself and I was kind of putting on an act as if, oh, well, I've got my mental health together now. So now it's all, all right. One thing. Yeah, and now right. I've got a new boyfriend and now I'm doing my yoga teacher training and look how great life is. So that got was... Got the man. Yeah, so we, we put the, the man, on. Got the practice. Mm-hmm. I got a husband. No, not a... Not, I didn't actually get married or anything. But I... Um, so I was dating someone in Dallas also. So that was another part of why I chose Dallas as a location for my teacher training. Uh, And, you know, so then once that relationship ended, which I hadn't fully, you know, coped with everything that had happened from the relationship before that. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of that's just denial and, you know, trying to mask and act like, yeah, I've got all my shit together. Look how great it is. Like I'm doing my yoga teacher training and I have a boyfriend and he's great. And And that sound, that also sounds very California TBH. Yeah. So like, you know, these are the, yeah, this is like, this is like, this is like the, the, the new like extended adolescence, young adulthood, I think now in the 21st century that like the twenties are, are going to be an extension because life, whether you're in Oklahoma or LA or London or, or freaking, I don't know, Kiev or, or, or Johannesburg or, or Tokyo being a queer in the 21st century is both marvelous and the stack of things, the stack, the fucking, fucking dark sided pancake stack of mental Uh, health issues and self-development issues and like the trials and errors. This is what being not in a majority or overly privileged uh, state of life is like. So I'm just going to put, I'm going to insert that editorial and then you can say what was next after uh, yoga training. So I had started teaching yoga locally uh, near my hometown. So in Enid, Oklahoma and I went through another breakup. I um, very quickly bounced back with uh, a, a gentleman caller from Instagram. Pew, pew, pew. And, you know, I was, I was at a, a pretty sensitive place and I was fresh out of a breakup and trying to deal with that. And, uh, or obviously not trying very hard to actually deal with it. I was obviously looking for the next, next one. Yeah. And so uh, within about two weeks of us starting to exchange messages on Instagram, he talked me into moving to Lexington, Kentucky, <gasps> which is oh roughly a 12-hour drive. I, did I tell you that I moved to San Francisco because I went on three dates with a cute guy, and then he was like, why don't you just move in? So I would have never gotten to San Francisco and actually lived there for the past year if I hadn't, like, moved in April 2018. So what is that air sign shenanigans? What is this air sign shenanigans? Well, oh, my gosh, you're great. We, we talk really well. <laughs> I feel like there's a connection. Why don't I just, like, move into your place? Uh, friends, this shit is real. Okay. I'm- Kentucky. I've been to Kentucky. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's magical out there. The horses and the bluegrass and the bourbon and the barbecue. Kentucky is magical. Make no mistake. Okay. Keep on going about Kentucky. 
And I just, uh, just a disclaimer, I'm not going to tell anyone how to live their lives. No. But if you We're are... We're air signs. That's no good for us telling anyone what they should do. If you are having thoughts that maybe moving across the country for somebody that you do not know is a bad idea, go with your gut on that. And if you are feeling like you need to lie to every friend and family member about your reasons why you're moving, maybe you're moving for the wrong reasons. So, learn again, the not going to tell anyone the- how to live, but just... Trust your gut, uh-huh. and if you don't know him, it might not be worth moving across the country for him. Oh well, I mean, we you didn't for you a moved, man for a for a man. I mean, you moved a Girl. couple of states over. I also only moved a, you moved a couple of states east. I moved a couple of states down, but I got but we got where we got. Mm-hmm. We had that scenario scenario like the queer witch in me is like. So maybe these are like past life relationships and we just have to do some healing and like get treated a certain way sometime. Now, the, of course, the disclaimer is like, unless you be a real strong like level 901 witch, unless you've got the, the truth inside of you to know what kind of level of, of, of other life soul dynamics that are going on. I can work through that through my unique scenario of like wondering what those vibes are when you get an intuition about someone. But that's not to say that like that's the T. So I just want to put that out there. But I like playing with that that witchy idea that like sometimes we do these weird ass things and we don't know why. A relationship, a, a, a pilgrimage, a voyage, and like only in hindsight once we've been through it. It was like, oh, that's a pearl on the necklace of my life. Mm. Or, I mean, I just like pearl necklaces. But now I'm interrupting <laughs> you, Mark. So, Kentucky, go. And, you know, what's interesting about Lexington is that I think if I had moved there under different circumstances, it would be a place that I could see myself living. Yeah. You know, it was a really it was a really cool city. There were great restaurants. It was... Uh, it was beautiful, uh, you know, like I said, it, it's a beautiful Ohio area. Ohio Valley. Beauty. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, and I met some great people there. I had a, a great job. I, I felt like I was very happy there, but, um, you know, that lasted a couple months and that relationship got pretty volatile and pretty icky pretty quick. And so um, I got pretty much thrown out of the apartment that I was not on the lease for, which, again, if you're trying to move in with somebody, make sure your name's on the lease. <laughs> I prefer it the other way so that if it gets dark sided, I could be like, peace out. I do not have any legal requirement to be here if, if uh, say, you're emotionally unavailable and you kind of want the other person to do all of the, uh, all of the, take on the emotional baggage and bring things up all the time. Please, folks, be feel empowered to speak your truth. Because the longer we hold it, the more of us who are in the healing world know that that's when it physically manifests as dis-ease, as hurt, as mental health, as well as physical, anatomical health issues. So that's just a, a fairly witchy queer reminder to take care of ourselves, speak our truth, even if it's awkward or it can seem like it's going to storm up into a confrontation. Our spiritual and mental health is a priority here at A Fairly Queer Mm -hmm. Podcast. Okay, so you had to leave that relationship, Mark. So what happened when you got ousted? Luckily, there was a couple that I had worked with um, 
with a, somebody at the salon. Uh, I worked at an Aveda salon there. And, uh, you know, I was just the little fag at the uh, receptionist desk yes, that, like, ma'am. checked people in and made these, a like, friendly, fabulous Kentucky women, you know, their yeah. hair appointments. It was, I, it really was fun. I And, it, like I said, I think I would still live there if I had moved there under different circumstances. But uh, I luckily had worked with someone who, her and her partner had an extra bedroom they found out what happened um they obviously offered it to me immediately i had cheap rent i was very very lucky um that i wasn't just completely out on my own but i couldn't really separate living in lexington from that relationship because that was why i went that was why i moved there i had no other reason to be there so when that ended um and it was a pretty traumatic ending to a relationship and and so that just kind of, I couldn't really shake that. And so I finally had to just come back home. It was another one where I was kind of running away from it. I think in that instance was probably the best, uh, best case scenario was me running away from it. But, um, you know, again, those patterns repeating themselves, that was when I was really starting to notice that. I think I was becoming more aware then. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can only say that my scenario in San Francisco only lasted about two months basically said, yeah, I don't think we should live together anymore the day before my birthday. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm glad you decided to finally bring this up. Being that you kind of live this, like, punch-a-button, very cyclical life, and you don't have a lot of positivity in your life, and I'm also not paying rent here, and, like, you don't want to talk about the dynamics, and I'm I don't know, maybe I'm the kind of person where people feel either comfortable enough that that they can they can like kind of leap that along for a long time, but babe, we're gonna talk about this right now, babe. We're gonna confront our emotional issues real hard, aren't we, babe? So true. So true. <laughs> So, um, I actually feel as though that we're about to get into the section where we meet, and I, I think this would be a great time for a break, because we are some Kathy Gabby gals. We yeah. can, we're going to have so much more, and um, let's take a short break so that Sam can put pretty ukulele music in here, and I we will be that. back in just a moment. All right, Mark? All right. Yes. All right. I just had to do a quick check on where we are. So we are back with Mark Mason, eminent local um, medical advocate for natural medicine, um, a yogi, and an all-around fabulous air sign like myself. We were just saying it's like when two air signs get together and like find out how much they have in common. It's like, and oh, what about this? Like this theme, yeah. Like that theme, yeah. And after um, a nice round of coffee, we are fully gooped and ready to give you all the giggery. So our themes for this section are: so you left uh, Kentucky, and then. After you left Kentucky, you have come back here for this present chapter of your life. So let's dig right in. 
So the first thing I did when I came back was I went back to school. I did two semesters at NOC and Enid, which is very near my hometown. I was not really ready at that point to figure out where I was going to live and work. I had wanted to go back to school. Um, I knew I wasn't ready to go back just yet to finish my bachelor's, but I thought, you know, I could do a year and get my associate's degree and um, have something positive to focus on for a minute. And uh, so I did that in 2016 and 17. And oh, we both, we, we both left places 2016. I got out of Casa de Lasca because I was not doing much with my life right. then. I was an underachieving houseboy. Oh, this is when we met. Oh, yeah, yeah it is was when right, we met. Right after I... No, so I was still living in Lexington when I came to L.A. to visit. Yes. And we had started chatting over Instagram. And I, I was, know. And what now, in hindsight, I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, Mark, I couldn't have, I couldn't have forgiven myself if I was going to try to be your after, after breakup something with a capital <laughs> S. Here's me blushing on the podcast, but... <laughs> Well, honestly, since then, I haven't seriously dated anybody. And it's probably, I, is it the healthier decision? I, I kind of had to quit cold turkey. I I know I had to finally be honest with myself, and the patterns were repeating, and it always revolved around a relationship and me needing validation from someone else and from them putting everything else aside for me because I need to be the only romantic interest of your life. You know, it, oh. it can only be me, babe. But <laughs> I, so I, yeah, like I said, I had to quit cold Turkey. And, and so I, I actually went pretty much fully celibate right after that LA trip. I had had a couple wow. of hookups. Wow. Nice effect I had on you, Mark. <laughs> it probably great. was a lot of, a lot of your effect on me in the best, in the best way. I oh, think you good. have been Thank a great you. influence on me. Uh, a very, <sighs> she's a good witch. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I would say the two themes after I either date someone a while or, um, get to know them as they either become hypersexual and like a couple of folks that I've dated in my only long-term relationship was um, they ended up kind of doing porn or like people seem to get asexual vibes and maybe we'll have a sexual health episode of the podcast soon because it maybe that's good for Scorpio season not to interrupt but do you watch the porn with your ex in it like, I've do you seen, watch it? I've seen, I've seen both of them in in erotic scenarios on film. Yeah. But then again, I already knew what they could do, so it wasn't that much of a surprise. Right. Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we we hung out. We had a lovely time together. Yeah. You got to visit James as well. Mm-hmm. I made a little trip up uh up to Carpinteria to visit my friends there as well, which is. Honestly, still probably one of my favorite places in the I whole know. world. I know. I kind of want to um, visit it for whatever reason. Well, it's beautiful. And uh, I have a couple of very dear friends still living out there in that part of the world. So, uh, hi, Leah and Nathan. I love you guys. Um, but it's it, that's always my favorite part about visiting L.A. is that I can go... Um, I can see my friends in LA. I can tolerate a couple days in that city and it's fun and it's fine. But then I can take the train up north and go actually relax and enjoy Southern California and be on the beach. And, you know, it's, uh, it's 
just kind of a magical little like uh, fair like a, it's what I imagine Southern California to be as a kid growing up in Oklahoma. You know, that's what yeah. I thought I was going to L.A. for. Like that's what I had pictured, and then uh, that's not what L.A. is. It's right. It... <laughs> L.A. is a conundrum of fast pace with a very like uh, I mean having having spent like on and off ten. 13 years there that it, there's like a lifestyle of everyone's okay which I don't agree with um, because there needs to be more real conversations in a place where it's about a lifestyle of ease and leisure which is very classist mm-hmm. and then there's like the Hollywood thing so there's people giving you like Scientology eyes and on on the set and then in the great set that people think is Los Angeles mm-hmm. so like it's been a love-hate relationship. And I can see that those themes are there for a lot of people who make um, urban, international-sized city like L.A. their home. But I also agree it's like some of the most magical things I've experienced have been like um, writing Amethyst Journey with Justin in Sonoma County in the Russian River Valley. I could live there for the rest of my life. So like, mm-hmm. hey, yo, if, if there's no-cow people who need a some some a room up there along the the northern california coast i'm your babe give me a hit me up slide deeply into my dm and we'll talk about it because i love northern california so much but like it is that idea that if you really want to kind of paradise in a place to like really meditate on the the big picture and find your mission and find your find your light like california does provide that in a very powerful geographical, mm-hmm. geological way. I believe that like any places where there's fault lines that are active have a really strong geological, geomagnetic, and thus, if you're a witch, you're, uh, a lot of 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 earth power, right? A lot of earth uh, electromagnetic power. But I don't want to get off the <laughs> the narrative. This is your narrative, Mark. So. Um, what happened after California, your trip where you saw me, spring of 2016? So it was pretty shortly after I got back from L.A. that I decided to move back to Oklahoma, and I went back to school, um, and and then I moved here to Stillwater. Um, I was uh, bartending and waiting tables when I first moved back, and then I... Uh, got in touch with um, with the people at Simply Green, and I started working for the dispensary and working at their patient drives and slowly sort of uh, taking on more responsibility with them and uh, getting a little bit more involved in what they were doing and, uh, you know, kind of working my way into a kind of a new position for myself. And um, and now we're, we're working on adding under that umbrella uh, of Simply Green, uh, to have green wellness, and we'll tonight we're going to Bowls and Brushes, which is like a medicated painting class. Yes, and I was telling you and your colleague Corley that um, I got into canvas and acrylics through the use of plant medicine, mm-hmm. the very well known uh, plant medicine uh, anglicized as Mary Jane. So the long story short, I'm excited about tonight um, because I was always good at art, but because music was the magical factor growing up for me, 
that like I never I would never consider myself like primarily as a visual artist, but I always got A in art. I like never I never backed down from art until like middle school when I had to choose between art class and choir. So of course I did choir and then I started taking French, I think in eighth grade. So like I didn't necessarily go back to art. There might have been a sense where like I had to choose like the cycle between the four and nine weeks and I might have still taken art in middle school, but I don't quite remember, which is kind of weird. But like recently, like when I was struggling and like um, my dissertation ship had hit the Titanic and was starting to sink, as was like academia um, for me, I started painting and I did it thoroughly medicated. And so this is a really kind of a special like full circle moment where I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to fucking dig into this painting, babe. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be fucking medicated, babe. <laughs> and I'm going to totally give you all the spiritual painting you want in your fucking life, babe. I should not have shown you that interview, huh? Yeah, Mark, tell us what, <laughs> tell tell everyone listening where they are, what, what we were listening to, which is highly inspirational. Right. So the, it's on, um, the podcast, uh, whimsically volatile. And so it's uh, shout out to Katya and Craig. Yeah. Well, and, and in the last few episodes of Katya's not there. So I don't no, know what that she's is. Bu- but... She's busy living her world traveling one woman show yeah. life. She's a busy diva. Yeah. And, but anyway, they did an interview with Sophie Anderson of cock destroyers fame. You know, we all, babe. Which is funny because I had kind of rolled my eyes about that whole thing when it first came out because I try not to get too involved in what people are hyping up on Twitter. Right. We can't be on the ever, the hyper hype trail of social media. It's just, it's exhausting. I like to, I like to kind of ironically catch on to things once everybody else has gone Right. Have a perspective on it because that's what we think makes us different from children. (laughs) Oh, editorial. Boo, 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 boo. But this interview is golden. She's yeah, a delight. I admit it. Yeah. So what? It, what's the theme? This Watch this immediate improvis- improvisational transition happen, Mark. So, um, babe, we, for our next section, we, uh, we've entitled it um, Dixie Chicks and Drag Queens because mm-hmm. these are two of our favorite things. And many of them are blonde. Many of them are talented. <laughs> and one of the themes that we were talking about last night, which I think will be enriching as a segue, is hookers with a heart of gold. Mm. It's a very, like, a, a, a traditional Americana kind of thing. We see it in movies, and we especially see it in some of our country, um, country western icons on the radio. So um, let's start with Sophie. She's not American, of course, but this mixes in with drag, drag, drag race queer icons. Even though, man, people are iconizing people really quickly nowadays, like the fucking Catholic Church. You're a you're a <laughs> queer saint, and you're a queer saint, and you and you and you mm-hmm. you are iconic. Everyone's iconic. Everyone's oh my god, legend, it's legendary. the new age, babe. It's fucking Aquarius, and everyone is yeah. iconic now, so babe. True. So, so true. true. 
Okay, go ahead. But yeah, Sophie Anderson, she is uh, the hooker with the heart of gold. Yeah. She is a mental health guru. <laughs> she is Tea. a she is a proponent of positive thinking and she you know, she talks about Sex her positive. son. She talks about she's her pansexual. Yeah, she bisexual talks, pride. And and she's very uh just very explicit with everything she says. She doesn't I, I just listen to the interview and try not to squeal in homosexual delight. Yeah. So that's a shout out to whimsically volatile. I'm. We're listening to you. Um, I want to represent a fairly queer podcast on whimsically volatile. The next time I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, I could listen to the shit out of that. Yes, yeah. a fairly <laughs> queer whimsically volatile. Uh, X. XX collab. Okay, so we started with Sophie, but now see the perfect segue is blonde, iconic, a singer-songwriter sometimes, and talent. So many things. Okay, should we get into the Dixie Chicks section now? Talk about Midwestern faggery and iconic country women and otherwise? I mean, that's what raised me. I, that's, you know, it's kind of funny to think that people are surprised by uh there being you know homosexuals in small towns all over the country because we were i was well okay i grew up in the 90s i was born in 1990 so uh for time frame reference so i grew up listening to dolly reba uh dixie chicks of course shania any man of mine whose bed have your boots been under um canadian of course course i'm gay so yeah yeah, yeah, of course. Vibe, <laughs> and it's funny. Like I, I love, I love maybe keeping up this idea of like our queer teenage mixtape, mm, our queer mm-hmm. teenager mixtape or mix CD, or now for you young, young spunky, hunky, unicorn, uh, gender floral folks. What would your what's what's your um. Truly iconic, you know, queer Spotify or I, uh, iTunes list, right? Like top 50, top 69 if you're nasty. <laughs> top 69. That would be kind of fun to do. But um, I agree. So like the teenage, now you grew up, you were a, you were a young blossoming Babe, vibe in the 90s. <laughs> I was um, fully in middle school and high school in the 90s. But, like, those are both really important times. So, like, yeah, when I finally got to listen to popular music in the 90s, because my dad let us listen to non-Christian music, which is a real mm-hmm. thing. Um, I don't know. My mom loves Shania and Alaska loves Shania. I found her very endearing. Um, But I also, TBH, like I've always tended to like singers like Dolly where they have very fluttery, fast vibrato. Mm -hmm. And because like singers like like Shania and like Katie Lang kind of had a wobble, they had a slower on the slower side, I found it a little like um, annoying when when the vibrato is prominent it's a little too wobbly and like womp womp wompy so like I love Shania as a I love Shania's songs 
mm-hmm. but I didn't like her voice. And I know that's probably confronting you right now. Like I liked uh... like the Indigo Girls, and when it came to like country, I don't know. But I also found I was always careful to kind of keep myself a little detached from country music because it was just the other side of whiteness basically mm-hmm. trash that i didn't want to associate with you're talking about my childhood here <laughs> okay continue yeah, but it's music now though there's so much there's so much in 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 our queer zeitgeist with country music now we have mm-hmm. like orville peck and we have like like this juicy the juicy mystery of Natalie Maine currently. Mm. We were calling this Dixie Chicks and Drag Queens. Like the Dixie Chicks are are iconic to me. Yeah. Especially like college coming out period. Like their their lyrics are brilliant. Their political courage is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like just shout out to the fucking Dixie Chicks. You are you are goddesses. You are total true true American and international goddesses like what they did to bring um a rootsy americana bluegrass mm-hmm. and um really digging into beautiful stories um it's like it's iconic for me like now i'm listening to like the alt country mothers mm-hmm. like um of course dolly pardon avatar goddess of the universe yeah. and um emmy lou harris mm-hmm. dang yeah. like the first time i actually heard um Boulder to Birmingham, I nearly had an ugly cry. <laughs> but that's like country music and ugly cries and maybe cis, you know, cis white boys and otherwise, but sissy white boys, sissy American white boys. and otherwise, sissy, sissy boys listening to their country divas, feeling their feels, right? Mm. I mean... And then just going around to these themes of like hookers with hearts of gold, women who got to work hard nine to five with single moms. And, and we were talking about Tanya Tucker and, um, you know, like these, these wild women who will not be tamed. Like they got to <laughs> work out that traditionalism in America, these weird tra- uh, traditional um, streams with having a unique perspective and saying, this is my life. Not yours. And that goes as far back as like Tammy Wynette. Mm-hmm. Possibly uh, um, further. You tell me, Mark. I mean, well, we kind of had this discussion a little bit. We were talking about our preferences in music and how yeah. we pretty much strictly listen to female voices. And I would oh, say that God, is true. something that was true even as a child for me, you know, I was, I was running around the house to any man of mine, you know, mm-hmm. Shania, all the dicks, every, anything and everything Dixie Chicks. Um, they are total goddesses. I think that was probably the first, uh, sort of awakening to me that I was going to grow up to, uh, consider myself a feminist. Yeah. Uh, that whole political dramatic, showdown of uh you know natalie mains versus george w bush and i mean she called him an idiot and let's i mean yeah is that unfair to say i think he's but ever since reagan historically these republican idiots nixon republican idiot historically the last decent republican we had who at the end of his term talked about the military industrial complex was previous for four-star general 
Dwight D. Eisenhower, mm-hmm. who of course is from the Midwest and knew about the political tradition of populism yeah. here and how how widely accepted the military industrial complex is to put the Midwest in a historical context. I mean, a land, a sprawling land of of like strip malls and 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 uh chain restaurants that you grow to love and feel comfortable with, that's a reality. You see, I, I, I can't judge that. In Pittsburgh, it was a similar thing. But, like, now we found ourselves in a neo-medieval situation. I will only go as far off the rails as to go as, yeah, the Walmarts and the Targets and the Chili's and the, and the, and the, and the Taco Bells. It's all medieval. You're getting the same castles around which the peasants with barely any money are, are, are just trained to go on. And that's tough. And that's red state dynamics. Do you not agree? I mean, you've lived here. I mean, yeah. like, so, so then where are our queer, our queer inroads through these women? And mm-hmm. right. And so like we, we've bred a couple of generations of queer feminists. Yeah. Like if we, like, if you're not a feminist, are you really queer? Like if you're not a feminist, are you really doing drag? I'm not sure you are. <laughs> if you're not, into feminism, you're not doing, doing drag. drag. Is that <laughs> is that not the perfect segue to going in? Like, hi there, this is Sam coming to you while editing. Just wanted to let you know that this is going to be a two-parter. So please go to the second half of this episode on our iTunes and Spotify page if you want to get the rest of the tea. See you guys soon. Bye bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.